Let's pray together and let's dive in. Jesus, we love you, and we're super grateful this morning that we get to unpack your truth, uh, that you gave us your word, uh, that you gave us your truth, you gave us your gospel, this message, this proclamation, a declaration that changes everything about everything. And so, Jesus, today, we just want to lean into that. We want to lean into the stories, what it looks like when you bump into people who, in a lot of ways, are a lot like us, people that deal with anxiety, depression, addictions, people that deal with uh, stuff in our pasts, regret, shame, guilt, those kinds of things. Uh, and Lord, when you step into those messes, you deal with them differently than, than anybody else. And so Jesus, today, I pray more than anything that we would get to see you from a new perspective and a new angle. When, when you look at us, you're not mad at us, you're not disappointed in us, you love us. Your love rules over all of those things. And so, Father, today I pray that we get to experience what it's like to be loved by the author and creator of universes. Uh, Jesus, open our eyes, soften our hearts, open our ears to your truth this morning. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. So there's this thing I learned this week uh, in photography, movie-making pictures that's called forced perspective. And you arrange things in photos in such a way that it forces the perspective of the viewer to only see it from one specific angle. Got a few examples that we can throw up there. Like this is an example of forced perspective, right? So this guy is not giant. He's just closer to the camera than his friends are, right? There's some more. We can scroll through those. Like you get an idea of forced perspective. It's, it's arranging things in such a way that you only kind of see things or you interpret the images one way or another. It was made famous in the movie Elf, right? So when you, if you've ever seen the movie Elf, when Buddy the Elf is at Elf school, this is what it looks like, right? Clearly Will Ferrell looks like he's a giant compared to these other elves. But when they filmed the movie, they used forced perspective to make him look much bigger than he was. So this is actually what it looked like when they were filming the movie, yet to our eyes it looks like Will Ferrell is a giant in comparison to all of the other elves. Now, where does this tie in with this series we've been in? called uncanceled. Here's, how, here's where it fits in. Forced perspective is exactly what it sounds like. It makes us believe what we're seeing, but really it's a trick, right? Things have been arranged in such a way that what you see, your eyes trick you into believing something that's different. The camera doesn't offer any other perspective, and so we're forced to only see things one way. And when it comes to cancel culture, regardless of which side you're on, your perspective is forced in such a way that you can really only see the world around you, maybe even yourself or maybe even other people in one way. Forced perspective for the cancelers means that they can only see the justifiable causes and reasons for disavowing, detaching, or distancing ourselves from someone. That's all we can see. We can see, like, look, I need to abandon ship. I need to get out of this relationship. I need to distance myself, detach myself from whoever this person is that's offended somebody else. I need to go, basically, I don't know them. I don't have a relationship with them. We're not connected. They're on their own. Forced perspective kind of causes us to see that from one angle, right? Our perspective, the way we see the world around us, gets forced but it's a trick that makes us believe that there's no other way of seeing things. Same is true on the other side of the coin. Forced perspective for those who have been canceled means that, that, that we are now only seen through the lenses of the mistakes that we've made, the missteps that we took, or our moments of regret. And some of us know what that feels like. We've been defined by these things in our lives. And we can't seem to escape them, right? Because everybody sees us through that lens, or we believe that everybody sees us through that lens. So perspective, the way the world sees us, maybe the people who have been written off, it's forced on us. 
It's a trick, right, that makes other people and even makes us at times believe that there's really no other way of seeing ourselves or there's no other way for people to see us. There's no other angle. So the the story that we're going to dive into today in the Bible, if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps with you, you're going to need those today. We're going to do some underlining, circling, and highlighting, right? So get ready for that. We're going to be in John chapter 9. We'll get there in just a second. But here's the deal. This story, we're actually going to read the whole chapter, right, today, which is going to be a lot of fun. This story is one of my absolute famous, like one of my most favorite moments in in, in the Bible because what it does is it kind of wrecks this idea of forced perspective, right? You can actually see things from several different angles. And I I know for me, here's the deal, right? I'm just a little confession. I'm guessing that probably a lot of us in the room are this way, right? There are painful moments in our lives. And, And when I say that, you... Your mind, your brain instantly goes back to that moment. Like right now, you probably have it pictured in your mind. There are painful moments in our lives. There are regretful elements in our past. And again, we can, we can remember these moments. There are, for some of us, even entire chapters of shame, right, in our stories that want to trick us and make us believe that that's all that we can see. That's all that there is. That's all that other people can see. And here's where it gets dangerous. We believe that's all Jesus can see. The only thing that Jesus can see is the pain in our lives. The only thing that Jesus can see is the regret in our lives, those regretful moments, those shameful moments, those, those moments that, 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 we, that we don't share with anybody, right? Because if anybody found out, we might find ourselves on the wrong end of cancel culture. And so here's what happens. We get forced, we become trapped, right, into this, this our own version of forced perspective. No matter how hard we try to see ourselves We only can see ourselves from one angle. We can't see ourselves from a different angle. And our assumption is this. Everybody else, including Jesus, can only see me from the angle of the divorce that I went through. Or from the angle of the affair that I had. Or from the angle of the abuse that that, that I suffered. Or or from the angle of the addiction that that I can't seem to break free from. Or or the angle from the the, the depression or the anxiety that I can't seem to shake. Or from the, the angle of the failures that have come to define my life and that's who I am. And because our perspectives have been forced, we begin to buy into and believe that those things weren't just things that happened to us. They are us. We begin to believe that's who we are. And that there's no way out of this. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just more tunnel and more tunnel and more tunnel. And here's what we believe. Jesus is mad at us. Jesus is mad at us. He's disappointed. He's angry at the mistakes that we made. He's angry at the things we did, the times we did the wrong things. He's, he's angry at us. He's disappointed. He looks at us. We imagine Jesus looking at our lives with this kind of, this expression or this posture of disappointment. Like, on it. Why couldn't you just do better? And we believe that everybody else looks at us and feels the same way, too. But here's the deal. Here's what we're about to see. There's no such thing as forced perspective for Jesus. Jesus cannot be made to see things or see people from only one angle. Right? We talk about this a lot here at Adventure. Jesus is God with skin on. Right? He's God that we can see, hear, touch, and feel. He's God that we can learn from. And he's the king of everything. He says that. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine, right? I'm in charge. I'm the boss. And because of that, there's no perspective, there's no angle, there's no lens that's impossible for him to see us through and to see the world around us through and to see other people through. And here's what this means and here's why it matters, all right? If Jesus can see you from a different angle and perspective, then that means others can too. And that means so can you. 
And here's the thing. Here's how we take notes at Adventure. If you want to take notes today, you're going to need to do that, right? Because hopefully there's some good stuff you can take home and, and have some conversations. The way we take notes here, just take your picture of the screen, all right? So get your phones at the ready, right? Because we're going to be unpacking some good stuff. But this is something I need us to understand, right? This matters. Because as we go into what we're going to unpack today, if you miss this, none of the rest of it's going to make a lot of sense. Or you're just going to continue to think what you've always thought is, well, yeah, that's good for them, but not for me. Like, Jesus can see them that way, but I'm too messy, I'm too broken, right? We begin to play that comparison game, right, of like, well, that's maybe possible for some people in this room, but not me. Or it's the flip side of that is, well, that's possible for me, but not them. And I need us to understand, no, this, this means the people in your life who have hurt you the most, the people in your life who you hate, who you are angry with, that means Jesus can see them from a different, different perspective, and so can you. And so can others, right? So it's important that we get this, all right? So grab your Bibles and, and open up to John chapter 9. And we're going to figure out that the Jesus is the only reason that any of this is possible. Here's what it says. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Stop right here. Let's just pause for a second. Because it's easy to read this story, and we're kind of picking up from where we left off last week. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's walking through Jerusalem. He's, he's walking through town, comes across this man who was born blind, right? And it's easy to read this story, and it's, re- it's easy to imagine that Jesus and his disciples are just kind of cruising through town, and Jesus just happened to notice a man who had been blind, right? It's easy to go, well, that's, that's lucky that guy, Right? Like there's some of us when we read this story, even thinking about our own lives and our own story, it's like, well, I wish Jesus would notice me. Like we think, well, I guess this guy just was in the right place at the right time and got lucky. We think, like, well, maybe this blind man just happened to catch Jesus' attention. And on the surface, it can read like that. But there's something much deeper when it comes to the way that Jesus sees people. The phrase that, that John, Jesus, one of Jesus' best friends, uses to, to describe the way that Jesus saw the blind man is this. It's, it means to, to behold, to take heed of, and to care for. So it's not just a casual glance, right? In the Bible, when, when someone beholds something, it literally means this, to be sure to see. Behold means to be sure to see, which means this. It's not just a quick glance, To behold something, right, is to be sure of what you're seeing. It's to be certain, right? It's the full picture of what's going on. You're not just catching a glance. You're not seeing things out of context. You see the full picture clearly. To take heed of something or someone means to to pay attention. To pay attention. To be aware of, right? To make sure you know what's going on in this situation. So, again, as we read this, as you maybe want to circle, highlight, underline, Jesus saw this man. Here's what we know. It's not just the physical act of Jesus looking at someone. Jesus paid attention to him. Jesus saw the full picture of what's going on in this guy's life. Why? Because he cared about him. Because he loved him. And so while Jesus is seeing a full picture, while Jesus is paying attention to and caring for and having compassion for this blind man, the disciples, you see the example, right? You see the cause and effect of forced perspective. They can only see a blind man through one lens and from one angle. They can clearly see his disability. But for them, it's not just that he's blind, right? Their forced perspective causes them to assume that either this guy or someone in his family did something bad at some point along the way, and his blindness is punishment either for his sin or someone else's. And that's where their, that's where their question comes from. 
One author I read this week said this, for Jesus' disciples, the blind man was an unsolved riddle rather than a sufferer who needed relief. And here's what, here's what this does to us. Forced perspective, church, causes us to see ourselves and others as problems to be solved and projects to be fixed. And I'll be honest with you, that doesn't feel good. Like you can tell, you and I can tell when someone looks at us as something instead of someone. When someone kind of approaches us as a problem to be solved or a project to be fixed. Right, we know that and it doesn't feel good. Guess what, it doesn't feel good for other people when they're made to feel like that way either, right? So for some people, and maybe even for this man, or maybe even for ourselves, We've looked at these, these scars or these, these moments in our lives and we've just we've thought this, I just need to solve the problem of depression in my life. I just need to solve the, the problem of anxiety in my life and, and, then, and then I'll be okay. I just need to solve the problem of this addiction. I just need to solve the problem of this broken... If I can fix that, if I can fix her, or if I can fix him, if he just would or she just would, then we'd be okay. And what happens is this, we get a quick glance. We don't see the full picture, we get a quick glance of ourselves or our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, and in our, in our minds, we start putting together a punch list for a person of all the things that are wrong with them, all the things that need to be fixed, and then we do our best to try to whip ourselves or others into shape. Can I just say this today, church, right? People aren't problems or projects, they're people. That's the truth. See, the disciples, their forced perspective caused them to see this man as a problem to be solved, but Jesus saw him as a person to be loved. Let's pick back up in verse 3. It says, Jesus answered. He said, it's not that this man, this man sinned or his parents, but here's why. That the works of God might be displayed in him. Can you see a completely different angle? How Jesus can't be forced to see things from one perspective. Jesus sees this whole deal from a totally different perspective, right? It's a completely different angle. The disciples didn't see what Jesus just said, that the works of God can be displayed in this man's life. They didn't see that as anywhere inside the realm of possibility. And I would bet this, that there are a lot of us who look at our own lives as problems and projects, and we would never in a million years connect the issues that we have, the things that we go through, the brokenness that we try to fix and manage with the possibility that God might actually be able to work through that. That God might be actually, actually be able to display his goodness, like Casey just talked about, through things like mental health. That God can display his goodness through what it means to wrestle with addiction. That God can display his goodness through the most broken thing that if you told anybody, your life in your mind would be over. That he can actually work through that. We think to ourselves, well, that'll never happen. Because, Brad, you don't know my stuff. You don't know what's going on in my life. There's no way God would look at my past. There's no way look at God would look at the secret stuff in my life where I've got the bodies buried and go, yeah, I can use that. There's no way. That'll never happen. The disciples thought the same thing. Like, what, what's wrong with this guy? Who, who messed up, this guy or somebody in his family? And Jesus goes, that's not it. That's not it. This is an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed in and through brokenness because that's how good God is. 
Jesus, he goes on, he says this, he says, we've got to do, we must do the works of him who sent me while it's still day. Night is coming when no one can work, but as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus goes into like metaphor, right? And you can look at his disciples, you kind of imagine these young men, most of them student ministry age, kind of looking at Jesus and their eyes going crossed, right? Like, what? This is Jesus' way of saying this. He's unpacking for his disciples. Listen, I've got limited time left. There's limited time left in my ministry. And while I'm still on this side of the cross and this side of the tomb, there is work to be done in the lives of others. But he's also sharing this with his disciples to help them kind of break free and break out of the things in their lives, the things in their minds, their beliefs, their, their bad theology that causes them to see life through a forced perspective. I need us to catch this, church, right? I need us to understand this today. There's an urgency in Jesus when it comes to helping people begin to see ourselves and others and the world around us through a different set of lenses. See, we talk a lot about the with God life here at Adventure. And the with God life is, it's a different way of seeing life. You begin to see life with God and all the possibilities that come with God living and working inside of you and through you, right? The Holy Spirit at work within you, renovating your life, restoring your life. And Jesus, there's an urgency to Jesus when it comes to helping people understand that there is a new life possible through the gospel, that proclamation of who Jesus is and what he came to do. He wants us to be able to see ourselves and people in the world around us through his lens, And from his perspective. Because here's why. Because Jesus is the light of the world, we can see ourselves and others and the world around us, right? The way we see ourselves, it can change. Which is really what this entire series has been about. It's been about Jesus' message of like repent and believe. That because Jesus came, you can shift your life and it can turn in a different, different direction if you trust him. If you follow him. Right? That's the whole thing. Jesus says, listen, you can change. People can change. That's what this is about. The way we see ourselves, because Jesus is the light of the world. The way we see ourselves, others around us, the world around us, it can change. Because here's the deal. In the dark, you can't see much. When it's dark, last night we were here, my family was here, we were cleaning some things up, filling up the baptistry, right? And Cash was on the drum set, so sorry if it's like sounding a little weird this morning, it's his fault, right? Cash on the drum set, we decided to play a little joke on him because it's cash. We can do that, right? So he's up here. We're all in the back of the room. We turn all the lights off. And we hear this, hey, turn them back on. And then we're like, we're kind of laughing at that. He goes, if you don't turn it back on, I'm going to get a bloody nose. I don't know what in his mind. Like, I don't know if cash, darkness, and nosebleeds just go together in Cash's life. But he was, he's like, I can't see anything. I don't know how to get to where you guys are. That's the truth. When we find ourselves in dark places, you can't see things. And you might end up with a bloody nose, right? I don't know. But, but, but here's the thing. When you turn the lights on, you can see things really clearly. When we turn the lights back on, Cash was able to find us, right? He was able to figure out where we were. And he could get down off the stage, out from behind the drum set without breaking anything. So here's what Jesus says, right? Let's dive back into our story. Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes, which means he covered the man's eyes with spit and mud. And then he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. It's a cool story. It's a cool moment, right? But there's some some things in here I want us to wrap our brains around. First is this, how Jesus actually heals this man. And number two, we'll get to in a second, is what Jesus asks him to do. And three, what the guy actually does. 
Because here's, here's, my, here's my guess. I bet you can find yourself in this story. Because Bible people aren't special, they're just people like us that deal with the same kinds of things that we do. And Jesus, when he interacts with them, interacts with us in the same way. So one, one article I read said this, that the use of clay in this story parallels the action of God uh, in creation, right? So when God created Adam, when he created Adam as a new living being, human, right? When he formed Adam, he formed Adam out of clay, And the article says, since this man's blindness was congenital, the healing was creative in nature rather than simply corrective. Think about that for a second. The same power that spoke universes into existence and created humanity and breathed life into people spit on the ground, made mud, and covered someone's eyes with it. That same creative power Jesus has, which means this. Jesus didn't just restore sight. He created sight where it never existed before. The man was born blind. He never saw a moment or second a day in his life. Jesus created sight. Why? Because he's God with skin on. He can do that. He can create. This this author went on to say this, that the touch of a friendly hand would have been reassuring and the weight of the clay on his face would have been an indicator to the man that something significant had been done to him and it would serve as a motivator to obey Jesus' command. Most historians agree that the pool of Siloam would have been at the opposite end of the city from where this whole thing was going down. So for a blind man to navigate that route from one end of the city to the other wouldn't have been easy. Another author I read said this, that the blind man's affliction most likely led him to a place of apathy in regards to his own life. You know what that feels like? Of this is just the way it is. Who cares? This is just the way it is. Why hope? This is just the way it is. Might as well just accept it. I mean, that man had never seen a moment in his life, so he just kind of accepted this. He'd become apathetic to his own life. But now, the author said, he has at least one motive for obeying what would have seemed like a foolish command. The trip through the city must have been a venture of faith, because here's the deal. Jesus hadn't told him that he would be healed. He only commanded him to wash. See, as much as the disciples had a forced perspective of the blind man, like many of us, he had a forced perspective of himself. But this whole interaction, hearing Jesus' voice, feeling Jesus' touch, right, feeling and sensing that wet clay on his face, there was something about the voice of Jesus, there was something about the touch of Jesus that caused this man to go on this journey of faith from one end of the city to the other, thinking this, maybe there's a chance. You ever thought that? You ever had those thoughts? Like maybe in that apathy when when you give in to hope just for a split second, you go, Maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance this could change. Maybe there's a chance this could work out different. Maybe there's a chance that that this isn't the end. That this doesn't have to define me anymore. And in the end, this guy comes back able to see. Can you imagine what that trip back would have been like? Going to this pool and navigating, which probably took him a lot of a long time. He's blind. Probably had to ask for help, probably had to ask for directions. Can you imagine what it would have been like seeing everything in the city for the first time? I mean, there's also a part of me that, Jesus, that thinks Jesus sent him to the opposite end of the city knowing that he would be healed, right? Because Jesus did that. Jesus would say a lot of times, like, Jesus didn't actually have to touch people to heal him. There's several times in the Bible when somebody says, hey, Jesus, my kid's sick. Jesus is like, hey, go home. They're fine. And they go home and their kid was fine. Like, Jesus didn't have to do this, but there's something about me that thinks Jesus sent him to the opposite end of the city so that he would have this amazing experience walking back, seeing everything for the first time. 
Can I ask a really loaded question? Could there be something in your life that Jesus keeps asking you to do, but in your own forced spiritual, emotional, mental, personal perspective, you can't see it and it seems impossible? Is there something that Jesus has been asking you to do and your response back to him is, it's impossible. I can't do that. You can't do that. Let me ask another loaded question. What would happen if you just did what you felt like Jesus has been asking you to do? What would happen? What would happen if you just said, okay, I'm in? You just said, yes, I'll do it. Doesn't make sense, but I'll do it. Let's dive back in. We're going to read through a big chunk here, right? Starting at verse 8. It says, the neighbors, those who had come out and see him as a beggar before, they said, well, this is not the man. Is this not the man who came, who used to sit and beg? Some said, well, yeah, it's him. But others would say, no, it's somebody that looks like him. And he kept saying, no, it's me. And so they said to him, they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? And he said this, the man called Jesus in your Bibles or Bible apps, circle, underline, highlight, the man called Jesus. He said, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed and I received my sight. And then they said to him, bad question to ask a formerly blind guy, where is he? And his response is, I don't know. I was blind, right? Like, where did he go? Did you see which way? I'm sorry, man. Like, have you ever done that? Did you see which way? Oh, dude, my bad, right? And so they bring him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, they, they, they saw him, right? And so it was, it was, it, the, John tells us it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees, again, they asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to him, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees, thinking about Jesus, they said, this man's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. So he had this rule Back in this day, that you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. You couldn't even heal or help someone on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. And so even, you know, what you see from this is like the Pharisees, they've got a forced perspective. They see no good in what Jesus did. All they see Jesus is is someone that broke the law. So some of the Pharisees are going, Jesus is a bad guy, right, broke the law. Help, helped someone who never saw a moment in his life actually see, but on the Sabbath. Lawbreaker, bad dude. But others, they said, well, how can a man who, who's a sinner do stuff like this? And John tells us there was division even among the, the religious leaders. And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Great highlight, circle, underline, right? He said, well, he's a prophet. Highlight, circle, underline, he's a prophet. He must be a prophet. The Jews, who were the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they didn't believe that he'd been blind and received his sight, so they called in his parents. They're like, this is just all a big hoax. This, there's no way. This is impossible. Like, you must have a twin brother, something like that. So they call in the guy's parents, and they say to his parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? Again, forced perspective. Because the Pharisees, the self-righteous people, the religious people, they only saw Jesus as a threat to their authority. So if you were a person back in this day that claimed that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was who he says he was, that he was the Savior of humanity, the end result was this. The, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the self-righteous people, you would be canceled from church. They would not allow you to go to church anymore. 
Skip down to verse 24. So for the second time, after they grill his parents, the second time they call the guy back in. And they say to him, give glory to God. Tell the truth. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. But here's one thing I do know. Though I was blind, now I see. This guy didn't have all the answers. See, I think a lot of times, and we'll talk about this here in just a second. I think a lot of times when it comes to, to sharing our stories and sharing our testimonies, we think, well, what if somebody asks a question I don't know the answer to? This guy got asked questions he didn't know the answer to, like, like simple ones, like where did Jesus go? Don't know, couldn't see. He says, listen, I, I can't answer your questions, but here's what I know. I was blind, I bumped into Jesus, and now I can see. And they ask him again, well, what did he do to you? Like, how did he open your eyes? And he answers them, I've already told you and you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And then I love this, drops in a little bit of sarcasm. Why? Do you guys want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you're his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. You know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, Jesus, we don't even know where he comes from. And this guy responds again. I love the back and forth. This is such an amazing thing. Like You guys, like, this is incredible, right? You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that, that God doesn't listen to sinners. This guy's telling, he's teaching the religious leaders. We know this guy, you guys know this, right? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anybody is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that someone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This guy gets it. And it's not just because he's, his sight has been restored, but this dude is seeing things from whole new angles at this point. He gets it. So circle, highlight, underline. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Highlight that in your Bibles or your Bible app. And then he gets canceled. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Why would you teach us? And they cast him out, which means they banned him from church. As we start to wrap the plane, land the plane here, like, Forced perspective, what it does is it limits our capacity for belief. Forced perspective limits our capacity in what we believe can be possible. But like I said a minute ago, right, there was something different about the sound of Jesus' voice. There was something different about the feel of Jesus' touch. And the command that Jesus gave this blind man out of that place, it pulled him out of that place of apathy. There was something about Jesus that was different. This guy, before this moment, had considered himself an unsolvable problem and an unfixable project. And the fact that someone saw him as a person to be loved and cared for was enough to snap him out of forced perspective. But for these ultra-religious, self-righteous people, their forced perspective limited them from being able to see the truth of what really happened in this man's life and also, most importantly, the truth of who Jesus really was. And when that happens... Their capacity to see what's real and true and possible gets limited. And in the end, they can't see people or anything or anyone as anything other than a problem or a project. When your perspective, when our perspective gets limited, gets forced by self-righteousness and religiosity, we will never see people as anything other than problems or projects. 
But there's a key takeaway for us, right, today, church. Just just because some people maybe can't see who Jesus is or because some people can't understand what he makes real, true, and possible in our lives, that does not make your story invalid, false, or untrue. It's same, same for this guy, right? Like you said, I can't answer all your questions, but here's what I know. I was blind, and now I'm not. In your own story, in your own life, you may not be able to explain how things happen. We may not be able to connect all the dots for people just like this blind man. I don't know how Jesus did it. All I know is Jesus got involved in my life and things changed. So I've got some homework for you today. If you're taking notes this morning, even if you're not, right, take this down. Write this down. Write down this. All I know is I was blank. And then fill in that blank. All I know is, before I met Jesus, I was blank. My life was blank. And then fill in this next one. When Jesus got involved by blank, the way Jesus got involved in your life, maybe it was somebody invited me to church. Maybe it was I, I, I had a friend sit down with me, explain this stuff to me. I had someone sit down with me, answer questions. Or, or maybe I heard somebody else's testimony or their story. It was a lot like mine. And Jesus got involved in my life through somebody else's story. Jesus got involved in my life by connecting me with a community of people like this church. Fill in that blank. And then finish the statement. Now I'm blank. What is that for you? All I know is before Jesus, my life looked like this. And then Jesus got involved. And now my life looks different. Fill in those blanks. Here's the truth, church. That's your testimony. Do you want to know how to share your testimony? You're, that's it. That's your testimony. And I know a lot of us in here, we, we think to ourselves, like, I don't know if I have a good enough story, right? I don't know if it's dramatic enough. It doesn't play out like a Hallmark movie, right? It doesn't play out like some, some serious drama, right? Here's the deal. Did Jesus get involved in your life? If the answer to that question is yes, then you have a good enough story. You have a great story. And guess what? No one can argue with it. No one can look at you and go, that didn't happen. Yeah, it did. Even in people's forced perspectives, they cannot look at you and say, it isn't true, it didn't happen, because it did. Forced perspective and cancel culture will try to discredit and debunk things it can't see. But here's the truth, church, right? No matter what people say, do, or think, the truth and reality of Jesus' involvement and what he makes possible in our lives cannot be canceled. People can't erase or delete Jesus out of your story just because they can't see it. So let's wrap up. Starting in verse 35, it says this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Circle highlight, Son of Man. He answered, and, and, and who is he? Because, again, this guy's never seen Jesus, right? Probably his voice sounded familiar, knew he was talking to, to Jesus. Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, you've seen him. Now you've seen him. And it's me who's speaking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. Circle highlight, Lord, I believe. And then he worshiped him. Now here's what I want you to do. Once you go back and look at all the highlights and underlines, here's where they all come into play. Look back at the times in John 9 in one one chapter that Jesus refers to, this blind man refers to Jesus. At first, he refers to him as the man called Jesus. 
Then he calls Jesus a prophet. Then he says Jesus must be from God. Then he says believe. Then he says he believes that Jesus is the Son of Man. That was the name, kind of nickname Jesus gave to himself that says he is of God. And then he finally calls him Lord. Do you want to know what it looks like for forced perspective to change? It plays out in this chapter. The first starts. It looks like this. This guy's forced perspective. It begins to change. First, he says Jesus is a man, which means he's just a dude. Then he says Jesus is a prophet, which means he's an agent of God. He's someone sent by God. And then then he begins to see it a little differently. He says, well, Jesus, he comes from God, which means he is of God. And then he says he's the son of man, which means he is God. And then he calls him Lord, which is he's my God. You want to know what breaking free of forced perspective looks like? That. That's what it looks like. This is how it plays out. It doesn't have to happen all at once. It happens usually over time. But the result is this. You begin to see your life as a whole new picture from a whole new angle. You find new possibilities and discover new opportunities that you thought never existed. And it's all because Jesus gets involved in our lives. A few years ago, the YouTube video kind of made, kind of went viral and became famous. And it's a story of a, of a father who was colorblind. I mean, colorblind his whole life. Saw nothing, saw everything kind of in grayscale, right? Could see no color. And his family bought him glasses that corrected that, that allowed him to see color for the first time. His forced perspective, right? For whatever reason, the way he was born, defect in his eyes, prevented him from seeing color. He was forced into this perspective of seeing only everything in black and white. They give him corrective lenses, and now all of a sudden he can see things different. Take a look at this. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to see things from a completely different angle and to see your life and other people's lives in a whole new way. Can you imagine what that was like for that guy to look into his his kid's eyes and see the color of their eyes for the first time? And I love the joke that his wife makes, your your clothes match today, right? That would be kind of hard if you can't see color. But that's what it looks like. So many of us have been blinded by our pasts. We've been blinded by the pain in our lives, the regret, the shame, because that's all we can see. Our lives look black and white, right or wrong, safe or condemned. But Jesus, when he steps into our lives, everything looks different. So I've got three questions. Three questions to ask as we end. Would you like to Rethink your life in light of the fact that Jesus sees you you as a person to be loved, not a problem to be solved or a project to be fixed. Would you like that? 
Because Jesus says you can. Jesus says you can do that. You can, you can do that because that's how I see you. If Jesus sees you that way, you can see you that way. Next question, would you like to rethink your life knowing that, that through Jesus, there are new perspectives and new possibilities in how you see yourself, others, and the world around you? Would you like that? That only comes in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus changes everything. My last question is this, would you like to rethink your life in light of the fact that no matter what people say, do, or think, your story cannot be canceled? Like Patrick said a few weeks ago, there's nothing that Jesus, there's nothing we can say or do that would cause Jesus to cancel us. There's nothing that we can say or do that would cause Jesus to look at your story and your life story and say, that's not good enough or that's too bad. Our stories aren't canceled. Jesus offers us a new perspective. Today, that's available to us. If you would love to, to, to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, I'd love to meet you down front. We're gonna worship here in just a second. We're gonna sing together. I'd love to meet you down front. We can talk about what it looks like to say yes to Jesus. The same decision you saw Randy make today, you can make. And if you wanna get baptized today, baptism is full, water's warm. Today, you wanna go public with that decision? We'll open this thing up. There's nothing standing in the way. Today, you need prayer. I'd love to pray with you. I'll be down front, right? If you just want to spend some time in prayer by yourself, you could do so. You could pray at the cross here. There's a place where you can kneel and sit and just spend some time with Jesus. Maybe having that conversation about the thing that he's continued to ask you to do and you've looked at him and said, well, I can't, you can't, it's impossible. Maybe today you realize, no, it actually is possible. If, if you want to be a part of this church family, this family of people that are learning how to see things different all the time. Like Matt said, man, we, we are not perfect. We don't have it all together. A lot of the days, we're the worst of the worst, right? But this family, we're, we're figuring this thing out together. We're journeying through this thing together. We're learning what it, what it means to see ourselves and see others and see the world around us the same way that Jesus did. If you want to become a part of this church, I'd love to meet you down front. We're going we're gonna to sing. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. So, so let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you bring life, light, and color into our world. Without you, everything would be black, white, gray. There would be no shades of hope. There'd be no shades of life. There'd be no shades of light. But Jesus, you are the light of the world. You shine in dark places. You shine in the darkest places. And it's in those darkest places that light is most effective. So Jesus, I pray right now a bold prayer. Would you shine your light in the lives of the people in this church? Because Jesus, I know that there are people in this room that they feel like the darkness in their past, the darkness in their story, the darkness in their life, even in their present, is too dark for you. Would you just show up today? Would they see you notice them the same way you notice this guy? You see the full picture of their lives even if they can't. You pay attention even when we don't. Jesus, I pray today that as we leave church, we didn't just leave a service, we hang out, out for an hour or so. Today we bumped into you. And though we were blind, now we see. Jesus, we love you, pray all this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.